0: Ryan Kemp tries to grow his clout ahead of 2024. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Ballustin.
1: And I'm Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. And be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you never miss an episode.
0: Patricia, I'm a little verklempt because I just got out of one of the most interesting speaking engagements in my life. We like to go speak to different groups all around the state and sometimes around the country. Um, but today I spoke to a group of Atlanta rabbis. <gasps> it, was, it was long planned, uh, but I didn't really start preparing for it until, until you know, I'm a procrastinator. In sometimes. the parking lot. <laughs> so one of the things I, I you do at a lot of Jewish events is you give something called a Devar Torah, which is like a, a lesson. From you know this week's uh, you know study of the Torah, and I hadn't done one since I since I was bar mitzvahed in 1995, <laughs> and so I decided to take a stab and do it with a bunch of rabbis in the room just to challenge myself. <laughs> no pressure. So they they were good sports. They 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 hung with me as I gave my Devar Torah. But it was really cool talking to so many rabbis. Um, there was a lot of retired rabbis. I didn't know this. There's a huge number of retired rabbis. That have left their job, you know, that have that worked in California or Texas or New York or wherever, and they retire down to Atlanta, and so they're they're part of this crew too. But there's a lot of working rabbis too. It was, it was really fun.
1: That's so interesting. I um, I am Catholic, and I don't know that there is such a thing as a retired Catholic priest. I think they just hang in there. They just hang in there until it's over.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. There's no such thing as a retired priest. And most rabbis, you know, also do that. But, you know, there, there's so many different types of rabbis. There's the pulpit rabbis. There's the educational rabbis. There's the community rabbis. So I think some of these were pulpit rabbis who had just served at their, their synagogues for 30 years, and they moved over for the next generation.
1: Good for them. Um, what was your big takeaway?
0: They're very politically engaged. And one of the things uh, that I was telling the rabbis was how important it was. Um, for our, for the Jewish community to stay politically engaged. There was a time when Jews sort of retreated from the public realm. And it's funny because I told them the story of how, even as a kid, like my dad would would say, don't start a pogrom. He wouldn't let us use our last name. We were signing up for, we, we were like waiting for a table at a restaurant. He was really worried because, you know, he went through a lot of anti-Semitism in his childhood. And I was saying, look, you know, to, to some folks at the Capitol, I might be one of the only Jewish people they know. Um, you know, so so it's it's not that they needed reminding, but it's but but I guess one of the messages was how important it was for us to champion our community in front of the, the state's public leaders, and and we talked about the outpouring of support after this week's. It just happened to be a coincidence that, of course, um, that this week a lot of us got a lot of people in the Jewish community got these anti-Semitic mailers. But I told them how how heartening it was this this outpouring of support we all got. So it's a very good meeting. Good
1: now more than ever now more than ever.
0: Well, coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about how the governor is starting to take steps towards 2024. Also how Georgia Democrats are gearing up for the presidential race. And a very funny moment from Senator Raphael Warnock. This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. Patricia, this is going to be a subtext of a lot of our episodes over the next two years, I feel like, because Governor Kemp is starting to maneuver to stay in the mix in 2024. He was out in Washington this week trying to play a more prominent role at the Republican Governors Association. You know, he's going to Texas later on this month to meet with high-level donors, Republican donors, at an event organized by Carl Rove. And... I think the biggest development this week in the Kemp world, at least, is that he's now hired two national fundraisers for his newly formed federal PAC. To me, it's telegraphing his growing ambitions to influence federal politics. There's been a lot of buzz that he might run for the White House. I don't buy it. I haven't seen any telltale signs that he's planning to run. He hasn't hired a huge staff in waiting. He hasn't made beelines to Iowa and New Hampshire or other early voting states. But he's maneuvering Keep himself in the national conversation. His advisors, they see him as a potential running mate to someone who's not named Donald Trump. And many of his allies are convinced that this could help him challenge Democratic Senator John Ossoff in 2026. One of his top allies told me we're keeping all doors open. Patricia, what do you make of all this?
1: Well, I think it's really important to define, as you just did, what it means to stay in the mix for 2024. Because in reality running for president in 2024 should have started by now for anyone who wants to get in and really thinks they're going to get in. Nikki Haley is about to announce her candidacy in South Carolina. Obviously, Donald Trump is already out the door. A number of other potential candidates have full operations they have not announced yet, but they have had full fundraising. They've had full uh, travel schedules. They have been around the country and in some cases around the world For the last year or so. So um, we I've been at the Capitol this week and the big question is, hey, do you think Kemp is going to run for president in 24? I'm like, I don't think so. Simply because we've seen so much of him here lately and the apparatus that he's building is national in scope, but it is not presidential in quantity or fundraising, or any of the other metrics that you would need to see right now for somebody really running for president in 2024. The first presidential forum for 24 is in South Carolina at the end of next month. So, the, you know, this is a, this is a situation where, where many horses are already out of the barn. We just don't think Kemp is going to be one of those. However, he could easily be vetted for VP. He could also easily, as you said, um, be thinking about what's next after governor. And that's a very natural place for this governor to be and a natural place for his head to be um, sort of contemplating. And part of building up for a federal run in the future is to start helping people with their own runs right now. And he's already had other elected officials come from outside of the state to help him in his last election. We saw Glenn Youngkin from Virginia, who will be term limited in Virginia at the end of his current term. So if he wants to run for anything else, it will need to be for a Senate seat. Obviously, we've seen Nikki Haley, who's running for president. We've seen a lot of people coming in for Kemp who are gonna ask for his help soon. Logistically, legally, you need a federal PAC to do that. Um, But the reason behind doing that and the reason for him to be engaged at that level is to keep his options open and really move himself into this new space. This is not a space where we've really seen him before, so it is very new and very relevant for him to have these two new fundraisers on board, for him to have this federal-facing pack, and for him to be introducing himself to the country outside of the context of that guy who Donald Trump hates. You know, he's yeah. trying to layer in who he really is and what his actual policies and background are most people have no idea beyond that and so this is the work he's needing to do now to set himself up for the future
0: he's the guy who beat donald trump and Stacey abrams in one cycle right and so nationally he's he's has this higher profile and now i think he's going to look to use it especially immediately and you mentioned this he's going to go promote causes and candidates who align with his vision and yeah you i don't think you're going to see him uh, vigorously backing you know, hardcore Donald Trump loyalists. We we kind of floated that idea in the jolt. What what you know, are we going to see him line up behind MAGA crowd? I, I seriously doubt it, right? Um, but he owes a lot of favors too. There's a lot of Republicans who came down to support him in his dire moments when it looked like he was gonna be in real trouble against David Perdue, against Stacey Abrams. They came to his to his side. Especially the Republican Governors Association, which spent millions of dollars to support him. So he's going to support the RGA back and he's going to support incumbent Republican governors or Republican uh, candidates for governor in in this immediate cycle, because there's a handful of races uh, at the end of this year and also going forward. And so I think we're going to start seeing him. And look, I wouldn't be shocked if he does go to Iowa or South Carolina or New Hampshire and just kind of you know dip a toe in, he'll get a lot of attention, and it will keep him relevant because in politics, being relevant is important. And look, he has the wiggle room to do that right now. The fact of the matter is that you know an Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll last month showed his approval ratings were at a record high of 62%. They're not going to stay that way, right? He knows as well as any how fickle these approval ratings can be. Um, And, you know, he was just at the nadir, the the bottom, just two years ago, he was barely at 40%. And so right now, though, he has the approval ratings, he has the the record that allows him to go try to, you know, scope things out (laughs) beyond Georgia. And I think this is important, too. One of the only fundraisers that Mitch McConnell, the Senate Republican leader, held for anyone who wasn't running for the U.S. Senate was for Governor Kemp. So he's going to keep those ties very close too, as he considers what many think is his most likely option, which is running for Senate 2026. Long way away. We're at the very start of his second term right now, but it is a valid point to raise because he's the one making these moves. He's the one um, hiring national fundraisers. These are two very well-regarded national fundraisers. They're going to raise a lot of money, or at least look to raise a lot of money to promote his causes.
1: Well, and, you know, just for this year's Senate race, Raphael Warnock raised more than $100 million. Any Republican who wants to be able to go toe-to-toe with Raphael Warnock the next time around or with John Ossoff the next time around is going to need more than $100 million to do it. I mean, that is the reality. And so it takes a long time for normal people to raise $100 million. So it really is time for... Kemp to start these wheels in motion if it's something he might actually want to do down the road. um, He needs to have a federal account and he needs to be starting to fill that up.
0: So Patricia, meanwhile, Democrats are also gearing up for 2024. And this is, you know, I just found this to be so, I'm not surprised, but it was so interesting. Not long ago, a year ago, President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris had essentially vanished from the Georgia campaign drill. Senator Warnock didn't want them anywhere near him, right? Because their approval ratings were so low and still continue to be so low in Georgia, there were concerns that they could damage his re-election bib. Now, both of them have visited in the last month. The vice president came to Georgia Tech this week. She was trying to capitalize on President Biden's very punchy State of the Union speech. And she was also a bit punchy. Here's what she said to a group of Georgia Tech students as she's encouraging them to join the green industry and fight climate change deniers.
1: The benefit that that you have is you're not burdened by any question about is this real? <laughs>
2: that
1: was great, because we've been having to deal with some folks who just literally. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're kind of like, have you looked out the window? <laughs>
0: Patricia, that was that, that was her biggest or one of her biggest laugh lines, if not the biggest applause line that she delivered over about thirty or forty minutes of speaking. Mostly wonky issues, not that they're not important. It, it was not a very political speech. She was talking with atmospheric scientists, well-regarded professors from Georgia and Georgia Tech about climate change. Uh, but she was also issuing a plea to the students to get involved and join this growing industry. It wasn't very political, but it was a reminder of where President Biden's administration has stood on climate change and the federal infrastructure and climate change bills that have passed that are going to devote hundreds of billions of dollars towards combating rising temperatures.
1: Yeah, well, the coast is clear in Georgia now for the Biden administration to start coming back. I mean, they've already they've got the Senate win over and done with. That's happened. And now 2024 is very real. And there is really not a path to getting reelected for Joe Biden unless he wins Georgia and a number of states just like it, these kinds of battleground states. So they don't want to leave Georgia off the table. And there's no reason they should because they won it the last time around. So how do you recreate that momentum? A big piece of it is going to be getting Joe Biden's approval ratings back up out of the basement here in Georgia. And that's going to require coming back here, being a presence, getting in front of audiences who are likely to agree with them if they know what the Biden administration has been doing lately. And in a lot of cases, they don't know. There is tons of information. We have done immense amounts of coverage about all of the federal spending that has flooded into the state of Georgia for broadband, for education, for bonuses for police officers and firefighters, all of these things that Governor Brian Kemp announced over the last year, that was, in fact, federal money signed by President Joe Biden. So the Biden administration needs to really get their arms around this narrative and start to really take credit for these things and tell people who would likely agree with them, guess what? We did that. And even people who don't agree with them, just let them know where they're Doing things that are beneficial to a broad cross-section of the state of Georgia. Um, Governor Kemp, when we asked him about the fact that this was federal money, he, he said, yeah, it sure is. And I'm not going to leave any money on the table. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's like, this is taxpayer dollars. We're Georgia taxpayers. We're going to get that money and spend it the way he wants to see it done. A ton of that went out to rural Georgia, where he's got his strongest support, but it really has left the Biden administration on the outside of this conversation about what happened in the state over the last year. And it's time for them to come back, be seen, and remind Georgia voters that they want to play here in the state in the next two years.
0: And you heard a little bit of that message from President Biden at the State of the Union address. Where he said to Republicans who want to take credit for infrastructure measures that you didn't vote for, I'll see you at the ribbon cuttings. So there's a very clear (laughs) message that he is not going to let them claim that ground this coming year. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
2: Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song.
0: And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're not only the host of this podcast, we're also two of the three authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. You can get in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community this very moment by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, so you always know what's really going on. Okay, we want to get to your questions for this week's mailbag, but before we do, we want to share this moment from an interview with Senator Warnock on The Daily Show this week, touting his new book for kids. Here's Chelsea Handler asking him a question. I mean, did you write a children's book so that uh, Herschel Walker would be able to read it? (laughs)
2: So, so, I I have um, I have two small children.
0: So, Patricia, that is what we call a dodge, but it does remind us we haven't heard much from Herschel Walker at all since his defeat in December. I've reached out to him. I've reached out to his wife. I've reached out to others around him. He is. uh, Other times, when candidates lose, they might try to stay in the spotlight. They might try to. We know from. Former Senator Kelly Loeffler, she started her GOP group not long after her defeat. Hersher Walker, he's gone missing.
1: He has gone missing. And we have spoken, uh, as you said, to people around him. You know, the big question is, is he still in Georgia? Did he move back to Texas? Where is he? What's going on? I will say he has been back on Twitter and was tweeting during President Biden's State of the Union address that it didn't have any real solutions for border security, talking about China and its balloon. So he's sort of reengaging online. We just haven't seen him IRL, certainly not in Georgia. Um, But uh, yeah, we don't. (laughs) He's still at large. Don't know where he is.
0: Well, we will keep you posted on his whereabouts when we find them. Okay. You can now call the Politically Georgia podcast hotline anytime. Leave a question. We'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. And producer Shaney B is standing by.
2: I've been standing by all week. Can I sit down? Yeah, <laughs> Please take a seat. Oh, that's so much better. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Hi. Happy Friday. Well, we got a phone call from Mary in Mapleton. As you know, they voted to become their own city, and she has a question for you about that. Hey,
1: Greg and Patricia. As you know, we have an upcoming election for our first city council and mayor because we have recently voted to become a city. And I would really like to hear some information on the politically Georgia podcast about the folks running and what we need to be aware of. Politics is local.
0: We love the local questions, Mary. Yes. So voters approve the Mableton referendum in November. But many residents said the question itself was unclear, and some weren't even aware they were within the new city's proposed boundaries. Even some others also referenced some ballot errors. So all that has led to a call to for a revote on cityhood referendum. But removing portions of the new cities is the more likely option for lawmakers. So basically, the whole question of Mableton is still up in the air. Meanwhile, there is a wide open election being waged.
1: Yes, there is this big race coming up for mayor, as well as this simultaneous effort that we are already hearing down at the state capitol about people already wanting to secede from Mableton, newly created Mableton. They don't want to be a part of it. This has segued into a conversation about Buckhead City and warnings from Cobb lawmakers that if anybody from Mableton deannexes themselves, they would then give an opening or precedent to people from Buckhead City to de-annex from the city of Atlanta. That's a whole nother can of worms, which I look forward to discussing in detail. Um, however, the one difference between de-annexing and Mableton is that they would be going back into unincorporated Cobb County. They would not be creating a new city. So when you see those two conversations linked, they're a little bit different, but that little bit is really important. And there are at least five people running for mayor. And uh, the AJC has all of the details on the backgrounds and the candidacies of the people running to become mayor. It's a very strange situation to have a city without a mayor right now, but that is how it all works when you create a new city from scratch. And that's what the General Assembly has the authority to do. But it's also really important that they create these structures for the people who live inside the city to know what's going on, and then also be happy with the change that they've made, because it's a really big change for a locality to go through.
0: Yeah, Patricia, there's 30 candidates who've signed up to run in the special election in March for mayor and council. So there's a lot of candidates and our AJC colleague, Taylor Croft, is delving into their backgrounds, the front runners. It's kind of a mess though. So stay tuned. There'll be a lot more
2: coverage as we go forward. Janie B., do we have another question? Well, that's it for the calls, Greg, but we did get an email from Lula in Luthersville, and she wants to know if there's any word on what Stacey Abrams plans to do next.
1: It's a great question, Lula, from Luthersville. You know, that's the question everybody's asking, and we got the tiniest hint from Stacey Abrams herself when she told Drew Barrymore of all people and places that she is likely to run again. I will likely run again So there she was. And as you can tell, Drew Barrymore is all for it now. Abrams didn't say what she might run for again. Does that mean a third run for governor? That's hard for me to envision. Um, I will tell you it's a lot easier to be one of 15 people running for president than one person running as the nominee for governor here in Georgia, it really can be more of a glorified book tour if people do their approach to running for president, right? So I personally wouldn't rule that out. I have no independent reporting to verify that, however. Um, but Abrams, as you could hear there from Drew Barrymore, she has a huge constituency. Some of that constituency does not live inside of Georgia. So that's her, that's the political uh, reality that she's dealing with.
0: And Patricia Stacey Abrams made one of her first public appearances since her midterm loss just this week when she joined other Democrats at Georgia Tech's first Center for the Arts to welcome Vice President Kamala Harris to town. Uh, she spoke with reporters shortly before the event, didn't say anything groundbreaking, nothing Nothing surprising. She just said, I'm excited to be a part of this clean energy movement that will help create thousands of families that can take care of themselves and take care of their environment. She also reminded folks that georgia remains a battleground state no she hasn't said anything about what she wants to do next but she has said repeatedly throughout this even before the midterm that she was going to stay in the public eye she was going to stay in the public realm and made no bones about it that she's thinking about running for another office yeah we don't know if it's governor we don't know if it's president we don't know if it's house us house who knows Uh, but she's keeping that door open Okay, Patricia, it is time for our last segment of the show, the Who's Up and Who's Down. We always like to end the show on a high note. So, Patricia, who's your Who's Down for the week?
1: My Who's Down for the week, Greg, this week are the proponents and sponsors of a new bill to create Buckhead City. Once again, it's not that I'm who's down on the idea of creating a Buckhead city. I think we have to find out more about that. However, the more about that is not forthcoming. The sponsor of the bill, Randy Robertson, the co-sponsors of the bill, there are several Republican co-sponsors of that bill in the state Senate. Uh, the lobbyist for that bill and even the outside activists for that bill are not taking questions this week. On the week that they have introduced this bill in the state Senate, there are lots of new questions that the bill raises, including the proposed $225,000 annual salary for the mayor of this uh, potential new city. To not take questions on that, to not even explain where that number came from during the week that you've introduced this legislation doesn't make you feel like people really want this bill to go anywhere. And if they do, they're not being transparent in the process. So that's my who's down. We need more information.
0: You know, we echo each other on this one. My Who's Town is also the Buckhead City proponents. Not only did it lack any sponsors from the city of Atlanta itself, it also only had a few that could be considered within the metro Atlanta region. And really, as you mentioned, the salary was was one of the biggest takeaways. $225,000. That's more than any other mayor in the state, including the mayor of Atlanta. That's more than Governor Kemp makes. That's on par with the governor of New York. So it was an opening move that might have even alienated some supporters from these proponents, very little public interaction. And you know, really all we've heard from is the critics, including Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens, who said at a panel with you that he heard about the bill a couple days before it was dropped, sat down for a meeting with Randy Robertson. And he said that even Randy Robertson didn't say he was a proponent necessarily of cityhood. He just wanted to let folks have the choice to vote. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> I think I have a good idea though okay patricia who's your who's up
1: so greg my who's up this week is a co who's up and i don't think we're going to see this pairing together again anytime soon so my who's up goes to republican lieutenant governor burt jones democratic senate caucus leader elena parent they have both come out very forcefully and specifically calling for an investigation of a last minute junket that outgoing lieutenant governor jeff duncan and the senate leader Butch Miller took to Europe. We don't know why you need to go to Europe with one month left to build relationships with German leaders. It's extremely unclear. They took at least 10 people with them. So that's a big delegation for no particular reason that we've been told of. So I that needs an investigation. They're really, If that is not against some rule somewhere, it needs to be against a rule somewhere. And an investigation would give enough answers to go down that road. So we'll see what happens. But at least speaking out about it is an important first step.
0: The Burt Jones-Elena Parent Alliance. Who would have seen that one coming? My who's up is State Representative Esther Panage, who is among the residents of Sandy Springs, and nobody who received the anti-Semitic flyers. And also use that to remind folks that this sort of hate hasn't gone anywhere. It was really heartening to see dozens of lawmakers line up behind her, stand with her, and support her in the Jewish community. Okay, this Sunday, check your podcast feed for a special edition of Politically Georgia. Patricia and I will bring you an in-depth look at the AJC investigation, American Dream for Rent. You can read part one of the investigative series right now at AJC.com slash American Dream. Thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can get our new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: And I'm Ned Ravone, mm-hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
0: It means everything to me.
1: We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com
2: slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.